0: Black like or Ronnie? Wednesday, August 16th, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you tonight by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PDA. And you never know what you're going to get when you join us. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, (laughs) along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, good start. uh, Little Glenn Campbell to get things going. We got the Eagles played one preseason game jordan matthews was traded ryan matthews was cut since we talked last and oh yeah reese hoskins got the call and has three home runs already
1: we will talk baseball later bill and there is at least a little hope for the future for the Phils, i think but we've got a lot of football talk at the top of our agenda with someone who will i'm sure give us a lot of great insight into the new eagles cornerback and expectations for the coming season and let me say this I have no idea why Glenn Campbell opened the show. He was not programmed to do that, so it's like something from beyond, you know. I don't know how that happened. I I swear.
0: Oh, so you were as surprised as I was. Okay. I thought it was was that Chesco music thing going on again. Nope. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, we'll also announce our final 2017 Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame inductee, a broadcaster as – Voted by the fans. I don't think you or I have a problem with this pick, uh, Chet. But
1: we'll we'll talk about when we get there. Yeah, four great choices on the ballot, so the voters really couldn't go
0: wrong there. That's right. With that business taken care of, let's get the ball rolling and talk Eagles. I'm getting excited about football season. Let's welcome back our special guest from Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gowden. Brandon, welcome.
2: Hey, guys. How's it going?
0: Fantastic
2: football season. I'm all ready, too, guys. It's uh, it's almost here. You know, we have obviously three more preseason games to go, but it's less than a month now to the regular season. It was exactly a month from last Thursday, so let's get to it. You got it. Uh, Thanks for joining us again, Brandon. This is uh, your first time
1: back with us since March, but your sixth overall visit. We do appreciate it. First things first, let's get your take on last Friday's big trade. Jordan Matthews and a third round pick are shuffled off to Buffalo and cornerback Ronald Darby is an Eagle. Good move.
2: I think it's a good move overall in the sense of this team really needed a cornerback. I mean, I was there, I've been there practice every day and, just watching how much the secondary struggled day in and day out, I just kept thinking to myself, there's no way this team can go into the regular season with the cornerbacks they have. I think Patrick Robinson particularly has struggled so much that he might not even deserve to be on the team. so and and you know I'm saying that and he's running with the first team all, uh, defense. so obviously a huge concern at that position. The Eagles bring in Ronald Darby. I think he's a really good player. I was really high on him coming out of Florida State. Uh, he had a really good rookie year. Maybe not as good of a year last year, but at the same time, the whole Buffalo defense was kind of bad. So I th- he, he, think he just kind of got caught up in a bad situation for the most part. And he's a talented player. As far as trading Jordan Matthews in the third round pick, I mean, I think the third round pick is obviously the the prize of that deal for Buffalo. Uh, Jordan Matthews is on the last year of his contract. I don't know if he'll be resigned there. I think. Matthews is obviously a good player. He's established himself in this league as someone who's very productive. At the same time, I feel like he's kind of redundant with what the Eagles already have in a sense that they can use Zacherts and they, you can use Trey Burton and a number of guys to fill that slot role. The Eagles can't use a number of cornerbacks to suddenly have their answer at cornerback. So the Eagles made a tough call and they traded a good player, but they, I think they got a better one at a, position, uh, a bigger position of need in return.
1: Well, speaking of the cornerbacks, how much of Rasul Douglas will we see on the field this season? And what are the chances that fellow rookie Sidney Jones makes it back sometime in November?
2: Yeah, I think with Douglas, I think he's going to need time. I think uh, there's been moments in the offseason practices where he's really flashed, but at the same time, there's been moments where he's kind of just been lost or he's been getting beat deep. So I don't think he's ready really to play any kind of starting snaps. I think the Eagles will try to work him in. I think he can contribute in some kind of role to this team, but not in any kind of way where he's going to be a starter. Maybe by the end of the season that could change, but at least in the beginning, I don't think we'll see him on the field too, too much. As far as Sidney Jones goes, I think the Derby trade, I don't know this for certain, but I think it could be a sign that they want to make sure that they don't rely on him this season in the sense of they're not going to rush it. if He's all healthy and he comes back, maybe they can work him into the defense. But I would think they're going to try to just maybe not play him at all this year because if you if you do hold him out the entire year, all of a sudden at the end of his contract he's not an unrestricted free agent anymore. He's a restricted free agent. And if he's not going to play this much anyway this year, you might as well just keep him out and have that benefit going for you.
0: Well, Brandon, with the addition of Darby, that certainly we hope strengthens the, the uh, defensive backfield some. But I got looking at these linebackers, and that might scare me more than the DBs right at the moment. You got Michael Kendricks, Jordan Hicks, Nigel Bradham, Nathan Gary, Joe Walker, and Nijay Good. Pretty much is your depth chart. That bunch isn't scaring anybody, I don't think.
2: Yeah, the well, I think the starters are obviously pretty good with Hicks and um, Bradham as your main two guys. The Eagles really only use two linebackers for most of their defenses. I think Michael Hendricks only played about 23.7% of the snaps for 27% last year, so it didn't play too much at all. Uh, the, the starters are very good. The depth is definitely questionable. I've seen some nice things out of the linebackers in training camp. Naji Good is a guy who's versatile, and he's, he's not anything special by any means, but I think he can hold you through a game when he contributes on special teams. Uh, Joe Walker's a guy I kind of want to see more out of in the preseason here. I think he's had an okay off season, but I think we need to see a little bit more from him. Camu uh, Gruje hill is a guy the Eagles picked up on waivers last year. I think he's actually kind of looked good in coverage. I think, you know, if the Eagles do trade Michael Kendricks, which I think is still possible, I think it could be either him or the Eagles' fifth-round pick, Nate Gary, kind of stepping up as that weak-side linebacker spot.
1: Mm, While we're talking about
2: the defense. Uh
1: how about that Tim Jernigan? What's he gonna bring to the defensive front?
2: I think that's probably one of the most not only one of the most underrated additions to the Eagles, but maybe one of the most underrated additions around the league in terms of I don't think a lot of people are are realizing realizing how big of an impact that is because to have a guy who is that good at rushing the or has that kind of pass rush capability on the inside putting him next to Fletcher Cox, and not only that, but you already have Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett showing promise already, and Chris Long, I think, will contribute to this defensive end rotation in a positive way. So you already have this pretty good defensive line crew here, and you add Tim in. I think he's, he's proven himself as a run defender in Baltimore, but he also can rush the passer, and I think a lot more than Benny Logan could, for example, and that's no slight to Benny Logan, who I think is a good player as well, but Dernigan has about, he has more than double the sacks of Benny Logan, despite playing in 16 less career games than Benny Logan. So for him to, 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 for the Eagles to be adding that kind of pass rush to the interior of their defensive line, I think it kind of makes the whole defensive line as a whole, a lot more dangerous than it used to be.
0: So Brandon, looking at the depth chart, if the season were to start today and, and maybe this will be how it finishes up here in a few weeks, what I've got is Curry, Jernigan, Cox, and Graham up front, Kendricks, Hicks, Bradham at the linebackers, Mills, Darby, McLeod, and Jenkins. Is that, is that how you see this playing out?
2: That seems mostly right. I think the only thing that's really up in the air is the Kendricks thing, obviously, if he gets traded or, or what happens there. Um, if he doesn't, he'll be the guy, of course. But then with Curry, that's the other spot to watch. I think – Derek Barnett's looked really good in the practices. He looked really good in the preseason game the other night. He had two sacks. No, he's going against backups, so the next step is to see how he fares against starters. But I don't think Vinny Curry has been playing particularly well enough where if Derek Barnett's all of a sudden playing really well, you know, you're, you're going to want Derek Barnett on the field. And I think the opportunity is there for him to get the playing time if he continues to play well. Interesting. I was
1: just going to ask you about Derek Barnett, and you covered it, so that's awesome. Let's uh, switch to (laughs) offense now. Uh, Brandon, we've heard numerous times how good Nelson Aguilar has looked during training camp. Is he ready to step Mm -hmm. up and really be a go-to guy here in his third season?
2: Well, that's the big question there. I mean, he has looked good in the practices, but that doesn't really mean too much at all if it's not going to show up in the game. And as we saw in the first preseason game, he had a drop, and he also failed to convert. On that uh jet sweep that the Eagles ran, I think the blocking there wasn't great from Zach Ertz on the edge, which you know, he needed to to get around uh to, he needed to get that block in order to get around the edge but in any case he's still Nelson Aguilar still has a lot to prove, and we haven't seen it on the field yet in the real game, so uh I can't say that he's absolutely ready until I see you know the production on the field i I know this you know i he does look like a more confident player just based on what I've seen and what I've heard from him. And and even Carson Wentz has said he sees a lot more confidence in Nelson Aguilar. So the players believe in him, but really, you know, it doesn't matter if Aguilar doesn't step up when the games count. Certainly lots of depth all of a sudden this year at wide receiver.
1: Even with Jordan Matthews traded, there are a lot of guys in the picture right now. I guess it's Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, and Nelson Aguilar as the top three. But then you have you know, Marcus Johnson, Bryce Treggs, who looked good in the preseason opener, Mac Collins, who uh, had that great uh, catch and touchdown run in the preseason opener. Um, how are all these going to get playing time? Are they all, are they all even going to be there opening day? How do you see this uh, playing
2: out? It's a really good question. And I think that's a big reason why the Eagles felt comfortable making the Jordan Matthews trade, is that even when Matthews was out in the spring, a lot of these guys were looking good. I can't tell you that maybe other than Shelton Gibson who dropped a lot of passes and he's even kind of dropped less recently in practice, kind of looking a little better. I think other than him, all the wide receivers have been pretty good for most of the off season. So uh, it's a good problem to have in terms of the Eagles sorting it out. I do think, you know, Jeffrey, Smith, Al- Aguilar in the slot, those are your top three guys there. But I do think we'll see some kind of rotation shaking out here. Matt Collins, if he continues to stand out, he's going to get playing time. Marcus Johnson is a guy who's looked really good in practice. So like Aguilar, you know, that only goes so far and needs to carry it over into the real games. And then you have a guy like Bryce Treggs who's been producing in the preseason and has speed. Maybe the Eagles want to keep him around. But it sounds like they're really high on Greg Ward, who was playing quarterback for Houston not too long ago, and all of a sudden he comes in, he converts to a wide receiver, and he's looking like a pretty reliable guy and pretty smooth, in terms of transitioning to a whole new position. So I think Ward is a guy to kind of keep an eye on. Probably won't play this season, but could be a guy that Eagles keep on their roster, especially with him working in the slot. gives them more depth there. So I think, you know, it really comes down to Hollins and Johnson behind the obvious starters as guys who could come in right away and contribute in some kind of role in this offense.
3: Hmm.
0: Well, let's hit the O-line. I'm an old O-line guy. Brandon, and uh, I was a little surprised when, when they moved down on Barbary, not that they moved him, but that they named Isaac Samolo the starter basically the day that they moved Barbary. They gave him the job, and I'm, I'm a little surprised at that when you have Stefan Wisniewski and Chance uh, Warmack on the roster and, and even Josh Andrews. Did that surprise you any that they didn't let that play out as a little more competition rather than naming somebody the starter so quick?
2: Um, not totally because uh, Samalo, I think he showed some kind of potential, or at least some kind of some kind of positive flashes during the 2016 season. So the Eagles did see him in some game action, especially later in the year. So they have some kind of basis to go on here. And Samalo was taking most of the reps in the spring. Barber was still kind of dealing with uh, the effects of some kind of lingering uh, calf injury or something going on with him. So he wasn't even 100%, so Sumalo was getting a lot of those reps anyway, and they were giving him the look there, and I think they feel like they're pretty confident in him. They obviously drafted him in the third round last year, and he, I think they, they have high hopes for him. Um, I, I think Sumalo is, is above those other guys, like Chance Wormack, who I think isn't really, to me, he's not much more than a backup at this point. I know he has, uh, a lot of people think highly of him because of where he was drafted, but he kind of flamed out in Tennessee. And then, you know, a guy like Wisniewski, I think the Eagles would rather keep him at center. He's been the second-team center behind Jason Kelsey, although he obviously did make starts last year at guard, too. So if they have to start him there, they could. But I think they like Sumalo as a long-term guy, and they seem to believe in him. And and we talked about Tim Jernigan earlier. I mean, Sumalo and Tim Jernigan have had some really good battles back and forth in camp where both sides have won a number of times. And I think uh, Frank Reich, the offense, Eagles offensive coordinator, was even talking about how he feels like Somalo got better just going up against a guy like Jernigan in practice every day.
0: Well, how do you see it playing out with uh, – because to me the offensive line depth is so important. Somebody's going to go down. It just its the nature of the beast. Uh, You've got Big V still in there. You've got uh, Dylan Gordon backing up. Peterson Tobin is still there somewhere in the mix. Um all these guys can't stick around who who do you see sticking
2: yeah so the last year the Eagles kept 11 offensive linemen which is pretty heavy you know that's that gives you two full offensive lines and then another guy to work with you know so I don't know if they'll go as heavy this year I think the the starters are obviously locks I think Wisniewski is your backup at center Wormack is your backup at the guard spots Um, You still have Dylan Gordon around, who I think the Eagles like, and also not only just as an offensive lineman, uh, as a backup straight up, they also use him in a fullback role, and they use him as a a sixth offensive lineman or like a a blocking tight end who's eligible to go out and receive passes even. Uh, So he's kind of a a chess piece that they like in the mix as well. Uh, I think it's kind of, it, it comes down with that. Maybe a guy like Matt Tobin sticks around. Uh, maybe I don't think Josh Andrews will. He's been hurt for most of the training camp, so that's kind of going to hurt his stock there. But it could down, could come down to something like that, where one of those guys either they're they're on the bubble right now, and maybe they stay, maybe they go, depending on how the Eagles feel about that. But I think overall, uh, they do have decent depth there, and that was a big focus for them. Obviously, they re-signed Wisniewski, they brought in Wormack. so the Eagles have spent some resources there to kind of shore that up. Ben, we've talked to you for 15 minutes. We haven't even discussed
1: Carson Wentz yet. Now, he's reportedly had a terrific camp. He looked real good in that one and only drive against Green Bay. What do you expect from Carson Wentz in his second season now?
2: I think we obviously should be expecting improvement. You know, he was a rookie last year. He wasn't even supposed to start at all until Sam Bradford got traded unexpectedly eight days before the season. And that was after Wentz missed a lot of the preseason last year. So, now he's coming in. He's had a full off season in the NFL program. He hasn't had to worry about pro days or, or private workouts or any of those draft interviews. Now he's he's coming in. He knows he's the starter. He's working with a stronger supporting cast with Alshon Jeffrey here and Torrey Smith and and everyone that and LeGarrette Blunt, Everyone the Eagles added this off season. Nelson Aguilar looking improved, so he has more weapons to work with. He should be better. Uh I, I think, you know, he has looked really good in off season practices. I think there's moments, you know, he's not perfect by any means, and I think that's a reminder that he's not a finished product heading into year two. What we see this year doesn't mean he still can't improve, but I think we should see a big leap from last year to this year and that should kinda of mess it, manifest itself in the Eagles being competitive for a playoff spot.
0: Well, we've pretty much covered, covered all of it except the running backs. Let's talk running backs. We have LeGarrette Blunt. Looks like he'll be the guy. We have Darren Sproles, Wendell Smallwood's in the mix. The rookies, uh, Pumphrey and Clement. I, I'm really kind of interested in that, Corey Clement, because he was such a good back at Wisconsin. Any chance any of these guys stick around either as the uh, practice squad guys or how's that going to fall out?
2: Yeah, and, and just getting a sense of how the team feels about things. Uh, running back is still definitely a position of concern. You know, there's there's definitely uh, it's not viewed as a strength by any means. So uh, you do have Legarrette Blunt there. We'll see how he does. I think he's he's practiced fairly well. You can only see so much out of running backs in practice, but he looks healthy. That's a good sign. Uh, Wendell Smallwood's a real interesting name in this running back position group because he hasn't been able to stay healthy and at the same time when he has he's practiced well so it's a really tricky situation where you could almost think that he might make might not make the team i think he will but there's just at least a thought in your head that that's possible and at the same time i also think he could lead the team in rushing in his best case scenario because uh, i don't know Blunt's going to get the kind of workload or or be as effective uh, as the main guy, we'll see. Uh, when it comes to Corey Clement, I think he's a guy who might shine in the preseason, like we've seen Henry, Josie, and guys like that before. But I think with him, while talented as a runner, he's kind of limited in the sense that he's not the best receiver. I think he's kind of improved there from from college. Uh, he had some good receptions last week. But one of the big things to to get on the field as a running back, especially... As uh, a rookie and things like that, you also need to be able to pass block, and I think that's something I've seen him struggle in at practice. So he might be more of a practice squad guy as a rookie, kind of develop, uh, and I think the Eagles will keep four running back, so I think that'll be Blunt, Pumphrey, Sproles, and Smallwood.
1: Yeah, I'm really curious to see what happens with Smallwood. As you said, he's had trouble staying healthy. He hasn't really done much yet uh, so far in training camp. I guess he's probably not going to play in the second preseason game. We'll see. Uh, I want to ask you, though, about Donnell Pumphrey. His preseason debut wasn't great, but will Pumphrey have a significant role in the season, do you think?
2: That's a really good question because I'm not so sure now. You know, I I thought he would have – I think for him to have a role this year – it's going to have to be in the passing game. And the fact that the Eagles traded up Jordan Matthews kind of opens up some playing time for him in the slot because the Eagles have used him there sometimes. So that's a good sign for him. But the fact that he, you know, he's fumbling and there are the obviously the obvious concerns his size, he's only about 176 pounds. And if he's going to keep putting the ball on the ground like he did in practice the other day or like he did in the first preseason game and he also muffed a punt the, the coaches just aren't going to be able to trust him to put him out on the field so we'll see if he's even active especially if the running backs ahead of him are playing well
0: well i have one last question for you brandon and it has to do with that john doren 37 years old 15 years in the league how long do you keep that guy in uh do you keep paying him far more than uh, than a guy like Rick Lovato who was stacking shelves, uh, you know, and and would play for <laughs> minimum? And you're paying Dorobas a lot of money. Dorobas is still great at his job, but how much longer do do you keep a 15 year veteran around?
2: Well, you got to pay for the magic too. You know, the magic trick. That's right. The, so <laughs> that's that, right. So that's a that's a factor in there. But yeah, they signed him to I think a three year extension uh, during the season last year. So they obviously value him. You know, you want to, One of the things we were all talking about last week, when with the not only the uh, like the the breakdown of the Jordan Matthews trade from uh, terms of draft picks and all of that, but you're also talking about the locker room side of things. I think he's a good presence to have in the locker room. So I think when you're we're paying the extra money, that's what you're kind of paying
0: for. Yep. Oh, I agree. Hey, good Brandon. team man and a good promoter of the organization. That's for sure.
1: Yes. Brandon, since we won't get to talk to you uh, again probably till November or so, uh, what is your early prediction for the win uh, win
2: total for the season for the Eagles here on August sixteenth? Yeah, I've been saying nine and seven. I think ever since I saw the schedule come out, and that's after the Eagles obviously added guys like Alshon. So I, I think I'm still sticking with that. I think that's a pretty good improvement from last year. I know it's only two wins, but I think I think it'll be nine and seven, ten and six as the very highest. Uh, ceiling for this team And I think that's a, that's a good thing I think this team can compete in the NFC East It really comes all down to Carson Wentz being the being the Guy to step up and prove that He's a legitimate franchise Cornerback but I think Everything else on this defense uh, Not just this team as a whole but especially With the defense getting more cornerback Help and having a approved defensive Line I think overall they have A lot of good pieces in place it's not like they don't have any concerns still, you know you still you added Darby, but the cornerback's position still you know lacks depth. Um, we'll see how Jalen Mills does as a starter. but I think overall, I feel pretty optimistic about this team. I don't think they're going to be super Bowl favorites by any mean uh, by, by any means anytime soon here, but I, I do think they can compete for the division, and that's what I expect out of this 2017 Philadelphia Eagles team.
1: I'll take it. And finally, from me anyway, uh, Brandon, I know you like hoops also, so what
2: uh, are your feelings about the Sixers? Are you excited? (laughs) I'm very excited. Um, It's it's really interesting to me how this is finally the year where, you know, we're all waiting for that big jump to happen. I think this is the year they go from not making the playoffs and being in the lottery and being, you know, high up in the lottery to suddenly – possibly being that eighth seed or even higher. I think, you know, I think they can win 40 games this year. I think uh, obviously it depends on Embiid staying healthy, a lot of things going right in the health department there. But I think for the most part they have a lot of talent here. And I'm just interested to watch it all. I think adding J.J. Redick makes things a lot more exciting, and spaces the floor, seeing Embiid, seeing Ben Simmons on the court for the first time, Markel Foltz. It's going to take some time, you know. These are young guys. It's going to take. Uh, there's going to be a learning curve, I'm sure. But overall, I think you know this team has a lot of potential, and it should be an exciting first year where all the the guys should be out there on the court. I'm with you. I can't wait.
0: Well, hey, Brandon. Before we go, uh, can you run through how the listeners can find you? You've got a lot of a lot of social media things going on. List them out for us.
2: Yeah, so you can
0: follow me on Twitter
2: at Brandon
0: Gowen,
2: You can check out Bleeding Green Nation on Twitter. That's just at Bleeding Green. Check out the Bleeding Green Nation Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Bleeding Green Nation. Check out our BGN Radio on Twitter. That's at BGN underscore radio where you can find all of our podcast stuff going on. And I think that just about does it. Obviously, you can check my work out on com and, and bgnradio.com. You
0: are a busy man. Super. Full-time job plus some. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Brandon, as always, we appreciate you coming by, and um, you always have uh, – you're all over it. You know everything that's going on, great insight, and we appreciate it.
2: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Thanks,
2: Thanks Brandon.
0: Brandon. Take it easy. Well, hey, Chet. Tell us what's going on at the Irish Rover Station House this week. Those menu additions last week uh, really sounded good. Might have to check them out.
1: Yeah, you know it, Bill. Lots of great menu additions at the Irish Rover in Langhorne, PA, including the turkey burger, gamers flatbread, and broiled flounder. Plus, the Rover has a new express lunch menu designed to get you in and out in 30 minutes. All express lunch items are just $7. You can add a draft beer for 2 bucks. And the Rover has all of those NFL preseason games on their numerous TVs, too, including... The Bills and Eagles Thursday night. DJ Streets gets the party going this Saturday night. You know, I love the Rover. Terrific atmosphere, daily food and drink specials, an extensive beer list, a spacious dining area, and outdoor patio, too. The Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne, and on the web at Irish You ain't nothing but a hound, dog.
0: You ain't nothing but a hound.
1: You know, it was 40 years ago 40 years, 40 years
0: today, ago today and i remember exactly where up. i was when i heard it
1: yeah and you know i'm going to ask you about that but i have to ask am i remembering this correctly did you actually see elvis perform in concert back in the day
0: i did i did and uh 40 and 40 years and 3 months ago uh, probably because oh my god it was it was his last trip through philly uh, which wasn't but a handful of months before he passed away. I saw him in uh, the Spectrum.
1: Wow. So you saw the fat Elvis perform three months before he died. That is pretty
0: wild. Well, I try not to remember him as the fat one, but he was a bit older, <laughs> and uh, and he was a little overweight. But uh, you know what? He, he could still sing.
1: Yeah, still just 42 years old at the time, 42 when he died, and uh, still the king, according yeah. to a lot of people. Yeah.
0: Yep. Hey, back to the Irish Rover Station house, Chet. Where in the world do you get $2 drafts, for God's sake? I I thought they were a thing of the I know.
1: That is a good deal. And they always have specials, too. So happy hour specials, Thursday night specials where they have like 250 drafts. So good deals. That's why I I like inexpensive beer. That's me.
0: There you go. Not cheap for you, just inexpensive. (laughs) That's how we say it, yes. There you go. All right. Well, hey, that brings us to our Philly Press Box Radio Class of 2017 Hall of Fame final inductee, Chet of the broadcaster's announcer's side. And it's uh, not a real surprise to me. And as you know, last year was the first time we added broadcasters, and the fans selected Harry Callis. Couldn't go wrong there. That left us with three legends on the balance. So we added a fourth this year, and the fans have spoken. Chet, here are the results. Finishing fourth, our newcomer, who we thought might struggle some, and he did, was Dan Baker with 8% of the votes. Third place went to, I believe, your pick, Merle Reese, who surprised me a little bit, yep. only got 19% of the votes. Dean Bill Campbell finished second with 29% of the votes. And our new inductee is Flyers legend and Hockey Hall of Famer Gene Hart who collected 44% of votes. Chet, are you okay with that, even though your guy didn't get the call?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I admit it. I did vote for Merrill, and I'm a bit surprised that Mr. Reese finished a distant third. That's just not right. I'm going to have to campaign harder for him next year. But, yeah, I'm just fine with Gene Hart. Who wouldn't be? Every Philly sports fan loved what Gene brought to Flyers broadcast all those years. He was terrific, and you know. Besides, it gives me another excuse to again play what I contend is among the very best championship-clinching calls in all of sports. Gene Hart, good night, good hockey. And that's not it. And it's this one right here. Probably heard that about three hundred times, and I still get goosebumps every single time I hear it. How about you?
0: Oh, it's fantastic. Remember it like it was yesterday and uh it, it just so cool and 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 how great was it having Lauren Hart join us that time too?
1: Yeah, we got to have her back because I'm sure she's got more stories uh man, growing up in you know gene Hart's household and getting to see him do what he loves and Loved for so many years and do such a great job with it. And then, you know, her to sing the anthem in front of him, that was awesome. So uh, we got to get Lauren back on the show some, some night.
0: Well, and Chet, I'm going to tell you, sitting right in front of me, courtesy of one of our Facebook friends and listeners, I just got this in the mail yesterday. And I have not had a chance to listen to it because it is a cassette. I got to find my old cassette player somewhere, got to be one around here. It is the cassette recording of the Stanley Cup Finals, May 19, 1974, Flyers-Bruins one nothing. It's a cassette tape of that entire game, courtesy of Mr. Dave Berman, one of our friends and listeners.
1: Oh, wow, that is awesome.
0: Yep. That is I awesome. I think it's uh, – yeah, I, w- I want to play it. I gotta, like you I say, I don't have a cassette player hanging around <laughs> – uh you know, sitting out anymore, but uh there's probably one somewhere stuck in the attic or someplace and I want to listen to this thing and uh if we can get any clips off this that we can use for uh the show we'll certainly do it and uh appreciate Dave doing that.
1: Yeah, I don't have any cassette players hooked up anywhere, but I do have a couple in my basement, uh you know, with stuff piled on top of them somewhere. So uh if need be we well, I'll have to dig that out for you.
0: That's right. Hey speaking of the flyers real quick uh did you see, uh, posted an article today that ESPN, or at least one of their their guys, uh, picks the Flyers farm system as the number one in all of hockey?
1: I didn't read the story, but I did see the headline, and it kind of caught me off guard because I thought that was a little surprising. But uh, I know they do have a lot of guys who are knocking on the door, so... That's a good thing, and you know, hopefully a few of them we'll see right away this September and October when camp and the uh, season opens, and uh, you know, then a year or so we'll see more. So that's certainly the case, and you know my thing. I hope one of them is a goalie. They've got a lot of goalie prospects. I'm just hoping that one of those pans out.
0: Well, you know, and I, and I was thinking as, as you asked Brandon the question about the Sixers, and, you know, there's a lot of excitement out of his voice, and I know yours too, about, about the Sixers. We're excited about what's going on with the Eagles. Um, the Flyers' farm system is ranked number one. The Phillies, you know, I think they're, we know they're a bit away, but they're starting to get some youngsters up. We'll talk about that a little bit uh, later on. But, you know, I think there's a lot going on, and maybe just maybe it's not that far away.
1: No, better days are certainly ahead for all of the teams, and uh, it's exciting. It's an exciting time right now. It feels like, you know, kind of the early 70s back then when things weren't going so good, and all of a sudden by the mid-70s, we had, you know, the Flyers winning a couple of cups, uh, the Sixers were knocking on the door and now uh, playing for a title, um, the Eagles got Dick meal and things turned out pretty good by 1980, and uh, it's exciting, it's exciting. I can't wait to see what happens over the next two years.
0: Me either, and it would be great to have all sports back back on top where they belong, and uh let the let the real craziness begin.
1: We got a Sixers fan waiting in the wings to talk to us, by the way.
0: Yes, we do. But before we talk Sixers with him, we're going to talk fantasy football again with our resident expert, Fred Hugo. Fred, welcome back.
3: What's up, guys? You, you guys are right. The, the roaring 20s are coming. All, all four teams are going to murder it in the 20s. There you go. I think
1: you're right. I think you're right. Hey, Fred, uh, first things first. We're going to talk fantasy football in just a second, but if we use music for your fantasy football segment like we did last year when we talked with you about picks, you uh, need to decide which piece to go with. So you can use the one that we used for Fred and Butter a year ago, and that would have been this one. I like that one. I like that one. Now there's kind of a variation to that that we, that we never used last year, even though we had it ready. It's uh, kind of a similar theme, but a little different. Here it is.
2: <laughs>
1: or just for the heck of it to really mix things up, I'm thinking maybe a little Barry Manilow.
2: No. <laughs> no, probably not.
1: This is definitely No. <laughs> All right, scratch that one. Scratch that one. <laughs> so, one of the first two we'll go with, I guess.
3: Uh oh. I think the second one has a little more nostalgia to it. I can't I don't want to go against John Roberts, but I like the second one.
1: Alright, we'll do the second one. Next time you're on. Second one it is. Alright, you want to talk wanna talk a little fantasy football, Fred? Let's do it. Uh all right. Now fantasy players are getting set for the season. League drafts are coming up in a lot of cases this weekend or maybe next weekend. How many leagues are you personally going to be in this year, Fred? And are you ready?
3: Well, that's a great question because <laughs> typically I'm in like five or six, and then like wow. I'll do like do like but to, but like like probably three of them I pay a, a good amount of money, and other ones are just cheap ones. But this year, with everything I got going on. I actually cut it down to two leagues. I'm in two leagues this year. so.
1: Oh, okay. All right. So you're getting ready. And the first question I have as far as uh, people getting ready for the draft and their strategy, the NFL, as you know, last week handed down a six-game suspension to the Cowboys' Ezekiel Elliott. What does that do to his draft status? Because he's going to be gone seven weeks then because the Cowboys have a buy-in there. So is he to be avoided with a high pick? I
3: uh, I would stay away, but you got to also take into consideration that he's going to appeal it, and it's probably – I mean, my, I, this is just a guess, but going back and forth, Jerry Jones sounded very confident that he wasn't going to get suspended at all. So if that's extreme one way, and then the NFL went and went six games. So I, I'm thinking it's going to be three or four. got to look at it that way. So you you really got to base it off the board, and, and wh- who's going off the board? If, if you have a bunch of running backs going off – and I might grab him, even though you know he's not going to play the first seven games, and just maybe pick up a Darren McFadden or, or someone else in his place to, to ride you out till you get there. Because really, all you want to do is be in a position to make the playoffs and then have him for the playoffs. So that that's the goal. If you have him playoff time and you're in the playoffs, that's almost like making a trade, you know.
0: Got it. Got mm. it. So, Fred, when when it, speaking of trades, when a trade like Jordan Matthews moves over to a team, and Sammy Watkins leaves that team, goes to another team, uh, does does that throw the whole fantasy football draft thing into a mix? That now you have a you know an eighty reception guy and Matthews going to a place where you don't know that he's going to be able to do that. Do you stay away from them kind of guys, or do you look at it and say, "Hey, new home, chance to be a star"?
3: You're right. It could go, go either way there. Like that particular circumstance, I, I look at Jordan Matthews and just knowing the way I watched him in Philadelphia, he was a solid receiver, but I don't see him as like a star, but then you look at maybe like a, Oh, why am I forgetting his name? Now Sammy Watkins going over to the Rams. And even though he has some injury history, that would trigger me to think oh, Jared Goff's value just went up a little bit. So depending on, what type of system they run? If they like to pass, you know. For example, when Chip Chip was um, was coaching, it, it it was good for receivers and and quarterbacks. So if he was going into an offense like Chip's, I would say, yeah, you know, pick up Jordan Matthews. But so depending on what the offenses they run and where they go, that changes their draft status and and where you would draft them. Well,
0: I would have thought I thought thought Chip's strength would have been the defenses playing against the Eagles.
3: Yes. Well, not, well, did, did did they Let me think. They score points. So no, that wouldn't work cuz they scored so many points, but um I guess towards the, the latter end of the year you're right cuz we didn't move the ball or score. So I guess it depends. What year of chip? <laughs> hey Fred,
1: when we were texting the other morning uh, about what we were going to talk about on this show, you mentioned that it was important for fantasy players to keep tabs on injuries, of course, and teams depth charts, and you also mentioned handcuffs. Now I thought that had something to do with knowing which was the latest Dallas Cowboy to get arrested or something, but no, it turns out (laughs) handcuffs is something entirely different. So explain what handcuffs has to do with fantasy ball.
3: Handcuffs, you you go back and forth on. So basically the definition of a handcuff is you draft the backup running back, whoever, so say you draft the starting running back to number one, you draft their backup in the later rounds just to back yourself up in case that running back gets injured. For example, I don't know, a few years ago, or two years ago, David Johnson was – he was drafted in the third round uh, of the NFL draft. He was a rookie, but he was behind Chris Johnson, who was the starter for the Arizona Cardinals. If you would have drafted David Johnson as your backup or your handcuff when Chris Johnson went down, that would have been a huge advantage you had because now you have a star running back. So handcuffs, it goes – it really – got to determine based on – I guess, who that handcuff is, if you're going to take him or not. I'm not very high on drafting a handcuff, say, for the running back. I take on my roster. So if I have, let's say, um, I don't know, um, Ezekiel Elliott, for example, and he's the starting running back for the Dallas Cowboys, I don't really look I, – I look at him as a solid back that I would keep. I, I wouldn't draft a handcuff on him. But if you have a more injury-prone guy like, say, Jamal, Jamal Charles from years past – it was almost guaranteed he would get injured every couple of years. You would have maybe a Spencer Ware or a Sharkandrick West behind him, and as soon as Charles went down, you, you would you would need that um, backup running back in there so that you don't lose a beat, you know.
0: Hmm. So, Fred, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You're going to have to think a little bit about this answer. If sure. you uh, – in the league you're in, which I don't know what the rules of that particular league are, if you were to get um, – the first, second, third, fourth, or fifth pick—all five. Who who would be your top five players to draft, fantasy-wise?
3: Depending on how the board went, my my top five—I mean, top five by round. You mean like per round, like not the no, top five no, players. No, no, top who,
0: five guys in the league. No, you who get are the, the very first five guys five. in the league. Yep.
3: Oh, I get the very first five. Oh, I would nope. go uh, yep. David Johnson, Antonio Brown, um. Geez, why am I drawing a point right here? Julio Jones. Um, well now I, I would in that case, I would I would take Ezekiel Elliott. So there's four. And Le'Veon Bell. Actually 11? I would scratch Elliott with the, with the with the with the with the um suspension. So I would go Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, David Johnson, Julio Jones, and then my fifth guy. That's a tough one. I'd probably go Mike Evans from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, so hmm, that kind of answers my question. By the guys you picked, you're not in what I would
0: when I used to play way back. You're not in a quarterback-driven league.
3: No, it's 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 not. And it's not that it's not. There, none of them are really quarterback-driven. You know, you get if you can get a guy that's the top between the top, I guess eight or twelve. You're not going to be that far off from the rest of the league the the where the the difference comes in is when you have running back against running back week to week so if you have a quarterback that gets averages let's say 25 a week as as your top quarterback of the league and your quarterback only gets 18 or 20 let's say it's a five-point drop-off where the star running back may get 30 points and if you have a bad running back you're going to get like 10 so the drop-off between the two positions is more drastic when you're dealing with running backs and receivers as opposed to quarterbacks.
1: Fred, my final question: uh, Which Eagles are going to be most likely to go highest in the draft? I would guess Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz.
3: Yes, you'd be correct. I would say they're they're the top two Eagles, and then after that, it's kind of you're just taking a, ri- a chance. You know, you may like exactly. the Garrett Brown. You may you may think Wendell Swal- Smallwood emerges. You know, you may take a chance on Nelson Aguilar. Carson Wentz would be a, a nice quarterback to take, like in those later rounds. That's not going to be listed high on the on the draft board, but it's going to put up good numbers, especially with Alshon. So, if I like this is a perfect example, Bill, if I don't take a Tom Brady in the first few rounds or an Aaron Rodgers, but I'm able to get Carson Wentz in the eighth or ninth round, that that's a good pickup because the the point differential between the two is not going to be that drastic. Interesting. It's uh, they've made so many rules
0: from the simple game we used to play back in the day. <laughs> so, hey, Fred. One uh, one thing off subject for just a minute, and then we'll, when we'll close this up, uh, let's talk Sixers for a minute. Uh, you you pretty fired up? You got your tickets? You ready to go? You one of them uh, in the sellout crowd?
3: Oh man, I got. I, I this is perfect because the way this went is we had five guys on three tickets last year, and three of the guys dropped. So now it's just me oh, and wow. another guy, and we have all uh, forty one. Well, now it's going to be 40 because they're taking the game and giving it to London. So all 40 games between right. the two of us and two tickets. So I'm I'm really pumped up. I'm ex- oh my gosh, they have the opener against the Celtics at home on a Friday. I um I, I'm going to have a Facebook Live surprise for you guys for that game. You'll see on Facebook. I'm going to do to <laughs> preview that game, but uh, that's going to be fun. But I'm I'm ecstatic. I I think it's going to be a real exciting year. I mean, I'm not one of these guys that are. They better make the playoffs or it's a shame. But, I mean, I expect them to be competing for the playoffs and the, those last five games, ten games are, are going to mean something. You know, it's not going to be like these past years where you kind of just knew, you just throwing the towel. It doesn't really matter. You know, there's so many games back. It's going to be exciting. All
0: right. Okay, well, hey, Fred. Uh, wanted to ask: Do you have your website up and running full tilt now? I know you've been you've been working on your your Fred and Butter site, and if so, how can the uh, listeners visit that site?
3: Yeah, so I, I yeah had a lot of stuff going on, especially with my dad and everything. But yeah, I have it up and running. It's going. I'm going to start actually uh, next Wednesday. I'll have my that's going to be previewing most people's drafts or that or that, that third weekend of August. So I'm going to have my top 200 in fantasy along with some fantasy tips going on there and, and through the year as it goes, um, week to week, different pickups and different things like that. So, uh, and what, what's the website? Fred and butter Fred, a A F R E D A N D butter.com. So you spell the end.
0: Okay. That's what I wanted to be clear of. All right, Fred, well, I'm sure you're going to be back with us very shortly. And, uh, Good luck on your draft. I guess that's probably still not until close to the last cuts, but uh, I'm sure you're working on it. Yep. I'm ex- August
3: 26th, so I'll, I'll be I'm right. killing that league. Guarantee a title. All right. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good, friends. We'll to talk you soon, again, Frank. and uh, good stuff. All right. See you guys. Thanks. Uh,
0: all you. right. Hey, Chet, I wanted to ask, did you use your Phillies tickets to go to the Wall of Fame night? I know last week we talked about it. You were up in the air, and uh, – it looked like a great event, and uh, if you did go, you would have gotten to see that Reese Hoskins in person as well. Uh, did you Did you decide to go or no?
1: Well, I did not go, and uh, you know, I kind of regret it in a way because apparently they did a real nice presentation. I just saw a couple little highlights of it with uh, you know honoring Bunning and Dalton and Dallas Green. And Aaron Nola was pitching, and he's pitched so great of late, and it was the one game that they've won over the last, uh, you know, six games or whatever. So I-, I regret missing that. I chose instead to go to a tavern. Big surprise, huh? But uh, I do like the fact they called <laughs> Reese Hoskins up. <laughs> Hoskins has struggled a bit, still not really hitting for average yet. He's uh, – hitting like 160 or 170 after Wednesday's loss. But he did go yard, of course, three times in the first two games out in San Diego. And that was great to see. I was watching Monday night when he hit those first two. I'm curious to see what he and Nick Williams can do with extended playing time here over the final month and a half of the season. So as we discussed earlier, a lot to look forward to with this team, even though they're still on a pace for 103 losses right now.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Boy, he, was, he swung a nice bat. And i tell you what, the, a great reaction. Uh, he had a great reaction when he hit that first home run and he got the silent <laughs> treatment out there in the, uh, in the dugout in San Diego. Great stuff.
1: Yeah, that was great. Him coming back and everybody gave him the silent treatment, so he was doing invisible high-fives, you know, pretending he was high-fiving everybody even though they weren't uh, taking part. That, that was fun to see. And then, of course, they did mob him after that, and then he hit a second one later. Speaking of the Phils, they got shut out on three hits. 3 nothing today, Wednesday afternoon, by a dude named Clayton Richard, who came in the game with a record of 5-12, and an ERA of 5.14, opponents hitting the Major League high, 3.23 against him. He hadn't earned a win in two months, and he shuts out the fills on three hits. Go figure.
0: Well, you know why that was? Why is that? Because they had that Oduble Herrera sitting out again today with a little uh, hammy.
1: Yeah, the much-criticized, much-beligned Odubel Herrera has been on a tear lately. But he's got a little hammy, so they sat him down for the last uh, two games. And uh, they do miss him. I mean, he's like a doubles machine of late, always on base. So uh, it'll be nice to get him back, hopefully, this weekend. Hope he, hope he doesn't have to go in the DL.
0: Yeah, And did uh, I believe Pavetta struck out 11 today in a loss. Pitched real well himself.
1: Struck out 11 over five innings, but gave up three earned runs. Of course, one inning, the Padres stole a bunch of bases, including one guy stealing second, third, and then home on a double steal. Um, and the weird thing was after the game, Pavetta got sent down to Triple A. although McCannon says he'll be called back up on Tuesday when the Phils have a double header. So it's just one of those weird things that they're doing to uh, get an extra roster space for the weekend.
0: Wow. Well, you know, when uh... – There were a bunch of bases, as you mentioned, got stolen in that game. Will Myers, uh, you know, he stole three bases in that game, second, third, and and home all in the same inning. Uh, Yes, he did. Uh, The last
1: one on the double steal. Yep, I saw that. It was pretty wild. Five stolen bases on the day for the Padres. So that's not good.
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you what. uh, Here's a little tidbit for you. D. Gordon, presently with uh, the Marlins, I believe, or he was, and Jason Worth, who we know well. And now Will Myers are the only players this century to steal all three bags in the same inning. There you go. A little trivia for you tonight. Really? Yep. Hmm. In the same inning. All three bags in the same inning. Three this century. Yeah, it's happened. Hey.
1: I heard it's happened 51 times overall, but only twice this century. Did not know
0: that. Well, th- three now. Yep. He's the third one. Oh, yeah. Three, hey, yeah, and I three. wanted yes, to mention, yes. you, you mentioned that Aaron Nola. You know, that his ERA is down to 3.02, and uh, he's getting ready to start that four-game set against the Giants. He has pitched so well, as you mentioned. He's got nine wins. And uh, I saw his name starting to pop up in, in leaders in the league in some different categories. And, geez, if you take away that first handful of starts, he's just been lights out.
1: Yeah, 10 in a row, great starts with, I think, two runs or fewer. So he's been terrific, looking like an ace, and hopefully that will be the case. Hopefully he'll be the opening day starter next year and have a great season.
0: Yep, yep, got to stay healthy now. Hey, Chet, as we mentioned last week, Carl's Cards at Collectibles had Steve Lefty Carlton in the store, and Jim Tomei was at Popple Sports in the Plymouth Meeting Mall, and those guys both brought in big crowds, both were great with the fans as well. And, and you know, as a, as a collector myself, uh, a special thanks to Carl's Cards and Popple Sports for bringing these guys in for the fans of Philadelphia to to meet and greet with them. And people don't mind spending their money when they're when they're having opportunity to see great players like that.
1: Yeah, a couple of great ones on Saturday for sure. I know Adam's event uh, Popple was a sellout, and we saw the line outside of Carl's because uh, he posted the pictures. They were lined up around the block for lefty Steve Carlton. Not surprising, so. That went over very, very well, and I know Carl is pretty happy with how it turned out. So, yeah, a couple of great events on Saturday for uh, both Carl and for Adam
0: Popple. Yes, sir. Well, hey, we want to, again, thank each and every one that visits our website, com. We continue to keep it updated with articles in local papers and a few that we write. And you can listen to all of our shows. Also, the Vimeo's from our shows a great one up posted right now of uh, – Chris Wheeler's interview with you, Chet, last week it was great. Also, you can see our um, websites of our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com. Just go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com. Click on each of their displays to transfer to their websites.
1: Yeah, visit us daily. You'll know everything you need to know about what's happening on the Philly sports scene, if you do.
0: That's right. Chet, All I can get out of you is that you had a surprise guest for next week. You wouldn't tell me who it is, just like you didn't tell me you were going to play Glenn Campbell at the beginning of the show tonight. (laughs) So share the secret with all of us. Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Oh, boy. Well, Bill,
1: at this point, it may still end up being a surprise to me, too. I'm actually working on two guests, both football-related, but – I haven't been able to get a final confirmation from either of them just yet, so stay tuned. We have a mystery guest coming your way next week. But I can tell you we will be talking football, including Eagles football and fantasy football with Fred again, I believe, and all the other usual stuff. That much I can tell you, but I'm not quite sure exactly whom our guest or two guests will be.
0: So stay tuned. Oh, there was a real surprise, even a surprise to you.
2: (laughs) All right. Yes.
0: (laughs) <laughs> All right, Mr. Chesko. do we have a parting shot for you tonight? Or do you have something you want to throw in before your parting shot?
1: Uh, let's do the parting shot now. We can talk more afterwards if uh, we have time. All right, we've been doing our Philly Press Box radio show for three and a quarter years now. We'll hit show number 150 in just a few weeks. And while it gives Bill and me a forum to talk sports and interview some great media folks and ex-pro athletes every week, another cool thing is that the show has allowed us to meet a whole bunch of great Philly sports fans. Many of those relationships, in my case anyway, have been solely digital. Uh, you know, Danny, Big John, Jimmy, Frank, Adam, Matt, et cetera, But there have been a few in-person meetups too. Fred, who's become a show contributor, Mark, Jay, Luann, and most recently, Robbie, matter of fact, I've had the pleasure of hanging out on a couple of occasions in recent months with Robbie Ellis and her husband, Bob. And not only did we talk a lot of Philly sports, but we did so while enjoying another mutual passion, live music. I saw Robbie and Bob Saturday night in Northeast Philly, so thanks especially, Robbie, for introducing me last winter to the music of the Road Dogs, a great Philly band who I've seen twice now. Here's to developing more relationships with our awesome listeners as we head into another Eagles football season
0: and beyond. Well, Chet, I'll tell you what it'll be very clear that you and I do not communicate and share parting shots with each other before we do our parting shots. So I am going to repeat a couple of the things that you threw out, (laughs) but I'm going a little bit different direction. Okay, here we go. As many of you know, we've been doing the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable for over three years and fast approaching 150 episodes later this (laughs) summer, as Chet mentioned. We've had great guests, met great people, and enjoyed the friendly banner. We've appreciated everyone that has been part of it, supported us, and listened to our show. Last week, we learned of a blind man that recently passed away that had Philly Press Box Radio as can't miss on his things to do every week. It's humbling to think that what we do can be so important to someone. I got a report today from our host, Blog Talk Radio, that gives a breakdown of the listeners from all the different countries that have listened to our shows and it struck me like a ton of bricks. We have listeners in Afghanistan, and I'm sure they're not there on vacation. If you're listening tonight, we thank you for what you're doing for us over there. This all brings me to say thanks to all the listeners and allows two guys having a great time talking Philly sports to be part of your week. We hope you enjoy it as much as we do.
1: That was a great parting shot. And, yeah, I cannot believe that we had pretty much a very similar themed parting shot tonight because, you know, clearly we do not talk about that in advance. So uh, that's an example of just how we don't discuss what we're going to say for our parting shot.
0: (laughs) Or we could say it's great minds think alike. But but, we'll leave that for somebody else to decide. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right. You got it. Mr. Chesco, anything else before we put it away? Oh, my
1: goodness. Eagles preseason game, number two Thursday night. Looking forward to it. Uh, we'll get at least an, another series, maybe two out of Carson Wentz. Hopefully Alshon Jeffrey gets on the field. Uh, I don't know about Smallwood yet, but I want to see more of Derek Barnett. I want to see Pumphrey again make up for his uh, preseason opener, which was not great. Um, I'm looking forward to it and then to week three next week. And then before you know it, September 10th, will be here.
0: All right. Well, let's thank our special guests, Bleeding Green Nation's Brandon Lee Galton and Fred Hugo, Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continuing support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, August 23rd at 7 p.m. You can listen through our Facebook page or on com slash Radio. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans.
3: Nothing I can say, a total